What did the Americans expect of the Philippines when they first disembarked their steamships and took possession of their brand new colony? It is doubtful that many of them had even heard of the Philippine Islands before the newspapers started reporting about Admiral Dewey's battle at Manila Bay, or the capture of Manila, or the 1898 Treaty of Paris where Spain sold off its former colony like second-hand furniture. But perhaps, when Americans pulled out their maps and pointed at the wide swath of blue that surrounded the archipelago, they imagined that it was some sort of tropical paradise full of swaying palm trees and idyllic colonial mansions. Perhaps they thought that being assigned here would be like a permanent vacation with a view of the glittering ocean, maybe an invigorating afternoon dip, and hey, how about some of that coconut juice, huh? Instead, what they found was a land that wanted very, very desperately to kill them. It wasn't just the people, though of course the Filipinos did not take kindly to being colonized again after having just overthrown their previous masters. But it was the heat too, and the insects, and the disease. It was clear that Americans had landed squarely on very hostile territory. But just like what they were doing in the Philippine-American War, they would prosecute this war on sickness and hygiene with brute military efficiency. Among their targets, the rats living in Manila. Welcome to the Colonial Department, the podcast where we take long-lost stories from Philippine colonial history and bring them to life. In this episode, we break down the American authorities' great war against the rats of Manila. This is Season 2, Episode 6, Eradicate. Before we talk about rats, let's read some choice lines from reports of some of the earlier military higher-ups who were assigned to the Philippines. Here's Major L. Mervyn Mouse, assigned to Northern Luzon. The sanitation of the towns was extremely bad when our troops entered them. The habitations of the natives, as a rule, were surrounded by filth of all kinds. Slops, garbage, fecal accumulations, rubbish, and other debris. Weeds and rank vegetation were allowed to grow along the fences, in the yards, and in the streets. Meanwhile, General George M. Sternberg, M.D., wrote, The sanitary condition of the garrison towns and villages is described as having been execrable. Filth of all kinds underlay and surround the houses, and the hogs were not the only scavengers. From the beginning of the occupation, the American military took the lead in cleaning up Manila. Just one month after they quote-unquote captured the city from the Spanish, the Americans set up a board of health that divvied up the city into 10 districts, with a municipal doctor assigned to each one. They got to work cleaning up the city. They swept up the grime that they said had been accumulating for years. They regulated the sanitation of the food supply. They vaccinated the citizens against smallpox, forcibly if need be. Then they turned their attention to a disease that was stalking the capital city, the bubonic plague. Bubonic Plague, or the Black Death as it was called, when it rampaged across the Silk Roads in the 1300s and became the deadliest pandemic in the history of the world. The bacteria that causes the disease lives inside fleas, which piggyback on rats, which stow away aboard ships. Shipborne rats were how the bubonic plague arrived in Manila in 1899. Coming straight from Hong Kong, 
which was suffering from its own bubonic outbreak. The rats would jump ship and skitter into the city's warehouses and sewers and houses. Their fleas, packed to the gills with the Black Death, would sometimes bite humans and pass on the disease. Within two to eight days of being bitten, you would develop fever and a rash and a swollen lymph node near the groin or armpit or neck that grew as big as an apple. The plague was becoming an epidemic, wrote one military doctor in 1900. To contain it, all disembarking ships were searched at the harbor for human cases. Residents were urged to wear shoes, boil their water, take out the trash, and wash often. If you caught the disease, authorities would isolate you in a sick room, walls splashed with carbolic acid, your clothes and other personal items burned. And if rats were causing this disease, the health authorities proposed one radical solution, a war on rats. In 1901, 40 Filipinos were hired to form a rat catcher corps, complete with uniform and cap and a brass badge in the left side of their shirt, a number and designation stamped on the metal. They were split into two platoons and roamed the various districts of the city, carrying two galvanized buckets. And I imagine that many of them carried them taho container style, with a wide wooden crossbar set over the shoulders. One bucket was filled with a disinfecting solution of carbolic acid, while the other was meant to transport the bodies of their collected rats. They also had on them 100 tins of rat poison. At sunrise, the rat catchers began their rounds, going over the traps that had been set the night before and collecting every dead rat they could find. They would dip the corpse inside their pail of carbolic acid, then tag it. And then once the buckets were full or their rounds were complete, they would deliver their smelly cargo to the municipal laboratory. But before they left any house or building, they made sure to lecture everyone inside about the dangers of bubonic plague. The traps they laid out were filled with all manner of ingenious poisons, rat cheese stuffed with chemicals, flour mixed with syrup, ground-up glass shards, and 1% of strychnine, or a mix of flour and plaster of Paris that would suffocate the rats when swallowed. But according to a report of the Philippine Commission, by far the most effective poison was a preparation of ground bacon with 60% arsenious acid. But still, a Japanese scientist who served as their rat-catching consultant suggested that when it comes to poisons, they should always keep trying to mix it up. Sometimes though, this sanitation corps had to get down and dirty with the rat-catching. They would put nets over sewer holes, then dry the rats into them using sulfuric fumes or a flood of hot water. But many other times, they also just stuck their hands inside old piles of junk or fetid holes and pulled the rats out, squeaking and squirming and biting before meeting their doom. These rat catchers worked tirelessly. In February of 1902, for example, they set up 65,379 traps and laid out almost half a million plates full of rat poison. That meant that every day, each rat catcher laid out around 58 traps and around 360 servings of poison. Police officers also helped them out, directing them to corpses of rats they found on their beat. Plus, a bounty of 5 centavos was paid out to any citizen 
who brought in a dead rat to the health inspectors. All told, from September 1901 to March 1902, 60,000 rats were received by the municipal laboratory. Around two-thirds of those corpses were sliced open and studied under a microscope. If the inspectors found plague bacteria inside any corpse, the house or building where it was caught would be disinfected and quote-unquote remodeled. Perhaps this meant something like replacing wooden floors with concrete, which the government had recommended that all Filipinos do. But perhaps, as the Americans would later do during a severe cholera outbreak, this could mean burning down entire communities. After all, as the commission report said, The character of the buildings of Manila and their crowded condition offer every opportunity for the growth and increase of rodents. The Nipa colonies within the city limits also afford a splendid place for their propagation. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're likely already used to, or perhaps even desensitized, to case reports that number in the four or five figures. But even if a total of just 745 cases of bubonic plague were reported, from December 1899 to March 1902, it was enough of a health crisis that the health authorities formed their Rat Catcher Corps to put the brakes on the disease. Five Americans, 222 Filipinos, and 406 Chinese died of the Black Death in that three-year period. It died down slightly with no new cases reported in April and May 1902. However, in the 1903 census, authorities reported a new outbreak which claimed 166 lives. The Rat Catcher Corps, with their uniforms and badges, were proudly bannered by health officials in the 1901 and 1902 report of the Philippine Commission. However, they disappear in the 1903 report, though the Commission still tallies the number of rat traps laid and the number of rat corpses burned in the crematory. We can safely assume that this special unit was quietly disbanded at around that time. By then, the authorities were dealing with a more dangerous crisis, cholera. Its symptoms of severe diarrhea claimed more than 100,000 lives from 1902 to 1904. This time, the Americans would fight the disease with severe lockdowns, forced quarantines, and as we said before, even the wholesale burning of entire districts. In the Philippine-American War, the new colonizers were not above scorched earth policies or turning entire islands into howling wildernesses. Perhaps they thought they should do no less in a war against disease. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Colonial Department. Here are the references I used in this episode. Details about the Rat Catcher Corps, as well as statistics on the bubonic plague, came from the third and fourth annual reports of the Philippine Commission, published in 1902 and 1903. Background information on the state of sanitation and medicine in turn of the century Manila came from Warwick Anderson's 2006 book, Colonial Pathologies, American Tropical Medicine, Race, and Hygiene in the Philippines, published by the Ateneo de Manila University Press. Information on the cholera outbreak was taken from Victor G. Heiser's 1907 article, The Outbreak of Cholera in the Philippines in 1905, 
the methods used in combating it with statistics to January 1, 1906, published in the Journal of the American Medical Association in 1907. Quotations from sources were read by Anya Ong. The Colonial Department was created and produced by Leo Mangubat. Follow us on Instagram at The Colonial Department.